Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast, release date Sunday the 27th of November 2022. Here we are. Welcome to my TARDIS. Oh, sorry about the mess. The exterior of the vessel has changed. It no longer appears as a silver cylinder, but as a Doric column, as would be found in one of my temples. Uh, Yes, simple camouflage. It sometimes takes a minute for the chameleon circuit to kick in. And, in this case, it's fallen back on an old favourite. Enabling you to move with stealth while also reducing the risk of the vessel being stolen. Yes. Thanks for dropping by. I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish, audiobooks, audio drama and this podcast. Oh. All for the love of stories. Any moment now, the Good Review Guide will be featuring The War Doctor Begins, Warbringer, featuring Jonathan Carley's uncanny performance as The War Doctor. The universe is at war. The Time Lords against the Daleks. Then we go behind the scenes with The War Master. What? Escape from Reality, The Wrath of Medusa by Roshana Patel. Know that I am not your victim. Following that, I'll be unzipping my body warmer. Um, what's the modern name for a body, body warmer? As in uh, as a gilet? Yeah, that's yeah. what they call them. It's ridiculous. Anyway, uh, more listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. In our also available segment, it's The Worlds of Blake Seven, After the War, Andromeda One by Trevor Baxendale. And let me say, you are most welcome, Space Commander Travis. Then the Randomoid Selectatron will once again be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Benji, let's have a clip from the future. Any questions? And the future's never sounded so good. Then it'll be time to give you a free 15-minute drama tease. This week, it's The War Master Escape from Reality. The Wrath of Medusa by Roshana Patel. King of the Underworld. Yes. No. I do not know who this mortal is or where he has come from. Uh, Well, that would be a long story. Suffice it to say, I'm from far beyond this world. A big shout-out to all our Big Finish friends who've been at Chicago TARDIS this weekend. Bonjour. You've been there, have you? Yeah, been there twice now. Been there twice. Yeah, great fun. Got very ill, I remember. (laughs) Oh, gosh, yes, that was was, uh, not fun. But it didn't didn't, uh, spoil a fantastic time. Yes, it all happened after the event, the illness. Yeah, it was perfectly perfectly timed with a uh, huge snowstorm. And so I was able to delay my flight for nothing because of the snowstorms and thus sort of ride out feeling very unwell um, until I felt a bit better. So it was actually, it was a sort of winning scenario. Yeah, I remember I, uh, Jason and I were delayed at the airport and had to go and stay at a hotel nearby with it. And we got there in a taxi that sort of slid sideways across the freeway. <laughs> um, anyway, yes, a, a mention of our Lord and Master Jason Hegedry. He is there in Chicago at Chicago TARDIS. It's not really in Chicago. It's kind of like where Reading is uh, in relation to London. Um, and he's living it up and working hard with great people like uh, Tim Trelaw. Yes. Who's our third doctor. And Stephen Noonan who's our first Doctor, and Lauren Cornelius, who plays Dodo for us, and uh, Daisy Ashford, who's um, Liz Shaw. Who else is there? 
Is that it? I can get the list. Is up that enough? Of course, it's I mean enough. that's a lot of people, isn't it? It's a lot of people. Um, Chicago. And I just heard that they had a fantastic uh, Thanksgiving Day meal. Oh yes, the, that's that's always a, a great highlight, isn't it? The, yes, the big, yes. The big Thanksgiving meals. All these things that I, I never thought even existed get served there. Um, um, anyone else you've noticed there? Have I mentioned everyone? Uh, from camp, big finish. I mean, you know, not. not <laughs> How camp is it? <laughs> <laughs> very camp. There's Stephen Noonan's picture. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that. that I from, covered from, it all. From I? that kind of yeah, from that kind of you know, uh, from range, as it were. But then they've got other guests there as well. Sophie Aldred's there. You know, you've got uh, Sylvester McCoy, uh, Fraser Hines, uh, Kevin McNally. Uh, wow, Sophia Miles, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Wendy Papri. Miles, goodness me. You know, uh, it's it's all it's all happening. So you know, very exciting. That'll be interesting. Well, um, I hope you all have a lovely time or have had a lovely time at Chicago Tal. It's a great convention, lovely people, so many lovely people there. Uh, talking of one of those aforementioned lovely people, Stephen Noonan, that'd be his first <laughs> American convention. He sent us an email, which I think is worth reading out. So settle down now for more yes, um, yes. Noonan action. Uh, dear Nick and Benji and Benji and Nick and Toby and, of course, Dave, D, Dozy, Beaky and Titch. Oh. Um, delighted to hear on last week's podcast about Benji's first Doctor rewatch. And I totally agree about the breath of fresh air afforded or unforded uh. uh, by the programme's then lack of law clutter. <laughs> no time. Sorry, my phone keeps pinging. What swine That's is... Stephen uh, Noonan. Yeah. <laughs> It could be. No, it's it's John Ainsworth, senior producer John Ainsworth. What I'm going to do is put my phone on silent, which I should have done before this podcast began. In fact, so little was known about him in those early days. No, sorry, I've, I've missed a paragraph. No Time Lords, no Gallifrey, no double cardiology. It's all to come. The mystery surrounding the Doctor is compelling. In fact, so little was known about him in those early days, they could almost have given the show a title like, oh, I don't know, Doctor Who? I mean, we don't even know his name. A little shrugging emoji there. Seriously, though, whenever am I not? It's a joy to go back and watch the early stories, I agree, and try to clear the mind of all the baggage and try to view it as the first audience did, not even knowing the titles of the stories or even that there were separate discrete stories. Good point, isn't it? As it's been frequently discussed, those of us long enough in the tooth to have discovered that Doctor Who had a history via the 1973 Radio Times special were instructed that the stories were named after their first episodes. The Daleks will always be the dead planet to me. The Dalek invasion of Earth, World's End, wow. and the Daleks master plan, The Nightmare Begins. What? 12 episodes? And that's just the beginning of The Nightmare? <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> and, and the year before the Radio Times special, we had the original The Making of Doctor Who, uh, the Malcolm Hulk one with Pertwee and Pat Gorman, Sea Devil on the cover, and a chapter on the making of that story. It was fantastic. It was just like, oh, amazing. And that didn't give the stories any titles at all, just the production codes. My favourite Troughton story is QQ. What's yours? <laughs> <laughs> what is QQ? Find out what QQ is. Uh, QQ! Okay. So the mystery persisted well into the 70s. Now, to go back and attempt to recapture that early mystery is a marvellous pleasure. Take Incidentally, a guess, take a guess oh what QQ is. Sorry. Do you I'm know, I have no, no idea. Is it take Evil it. of the Daleks? No, no. The War Games? No. It's the Web of Fear. 
Oh, well, fair, fair dues, QQ. A, a QQ. Also, QQ is uh, a very niche form of sort of text slang for crying because it looks like is two it? eyes and little two tears. Yeah, QQ, oh, <laughs> QQ, sir. You cried. Well, I did cry after watching The Web of Fear again, but that's another story. Incidentally, I like Nick's postulation of Schrodinger's Time Lords, which put me in mind of a singularly surreal afternoon in 1985 when Captain Mike Yates visited a group of us in Liverpool's Lord <laughs> Nelson pub. Perhaps he'd got lost looking for Yates's wine lodge. <laughs> <laughs> with a cardboard box full of cuddly toys that he announced were Franklin's Bow Wows. But I digress. <laughs> Benji's, I may call you Benji, mayn't I? You don't mind, do you? I didn't think you would. <laughs> That's a quote from The Three Doctors, isn't it? it certainly is. When he says to Joe. Anyway, uh, Benji's observation about the remarkable feet. They all had remarkable feet, obviously, but William Hartnell's uniquely remarkable feat of Very inventing slender. the character from scratch must forever be applauded. I don't, the podcast will go on for far too long if we were forever applauding it, but I agree with your sentiments. I think we both do, don't we? Always. <laughs> he is rightly the most cherished and jealously guarded property in the whole history of Doctor Who. William Hartnell, that is, not Benji Clifford, although I'm sure we're all very fond of him. And that brings me to Nick's interesting and, of course, potentially not a little alarming suggestion about my recent involvement, that I have the most difficult job in the whole history of Doctor Who. It's certainly difficult insofar as, as Nick articulated precisely, the Hartnell performance is so mercurial and ever-shifting. And that voice goes through so many different tones and modulations. It's fascinating that, certainly of all the classic Doctors, Hartnell is the only one whose Doctor voice, or voices, is nothing like his own. Hear an interview with Troughton, Pertwee, Tom Baker, or indeed any of the 80s actors, and you hear the voice of their Doctor. Hear Hartnell on Desert Island Discs in 1965, or Panto Backstage in 1967, and you hear the voice of a character actor who sounds nothing like the first Doctor. He not only invented Doctor Who, but he invented a character, uh, he invented a character, unlike the other actors, who sounded nothing like himself. Elusive indeed. True though. And I mean, in that in that true. interview, there he spends half the time in there, doesn't he? Saying, "No, but no, but don't you see? I'm a character actor." <laughs> Just no, firmly he talks like that, doesn't he? He's got a very I'm a character kind of uh, actor. I'm yeah, a character got... actor. Yeah, he's he's very he's very different there. Very. T- you see him with a pint of that. stout or something, couldn't you? you know? <laughs> Is there a pint of stout? Uh, well, I can imagine he drinks a pint of stout, like down a workman, you know, working man's pub, you know. I'd love a pint of stout right now. Ooh, milk Just stout. putting that out there. Please send it to podcast at bigfinish.com. <laughs> <laughs> and difficult to emulate, certainly, says Stephen, referring to the first Doctor. But contemplating the notion of most difficult job in the history of Doctor Who, I was trying to think of other contenders like playing the Ergon or the Garm or Mesitor, the Gastropod, for instance, <laughs> or the back end of the Merca. But they perhaps are rather competitors for most thankless and unenviable job in the history of Doctor Who. And that is certainly not applicable to my job. Difficult it may be, but it's also, I must say, a downright pleasure and a privilege from start to, brackets, big, close brackets, finish. Hey, hey. And without wanting to, to coin a phrase, blow smoke up his trousers, much of that pleasure has been facilitated by Nick's brilliant and permissive direction, allowing an enormous freedom to experiment with his extraordinarily rich and multifarious character. Uh, the Doctor's not mine. Um, I think it's tr- true that... Um, I really trust Stephen, and he brings a lot of um, 
doctor-specific quirks to the script, which just inspire me and make me want to write more. I can't write them all. Someone else is writing the next box set. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but of course, as someone once said, and it might have been a tall chap who normally wore a scarf, but wasn't at the time. We buy our privilege to experiment at the cost of total responsibility. And the responsibility of doing justice to Doctor Who's great primogenitor is not a small one. Of course, it might not always come off or it might not align with every fan's taste and every fan, I believe, has their own personal version of Hartnell's voice in their head. Absolutely. However, the intention is primarily to celebrate and pay tribute to the bloke without whom we wouldn't, any of us, have been introduced to the best programme ever devised. That's given us, I'm speaking personally, but I'm convinced this is quite widespread, more pleasure and imaginative stimulation than anything else. I agree with that for me. So here's, once again and forever, to William Hartnell. All the best, Stephen Noonan. P.S. Oh, and by the way, Benji, I hope you're not going to skip, in some form or other, the masterpiece that is Marco Polo. Well, and, and Miss Mark Eden playing Marco Polo, Mr. Alan Bradley great. himself. I mean, come on. It's, it's a great reconstruction as well. It's uh, uh, Loose cannon. It's got to be, yeah. surely. Yeah, absolutely. No, how, how could one miss that? I, well, I, I certainly hope to one day hopefully see it with my own eyes, but you never know. And what are you uh, still rewatching? I, I I took I sort of took a sidestep for a moment just because I've had loads of stuff going on, and also I've sort of I've not been in the, the zone for serious telly at the moment. I've just wanted to watch like light-hearted things. So I've actually just been watching a lot of Red Dwarf, but um, <laughs> I do I do plan on going back to um back on my Doctor Who rewatch. But you know that's the beauty of it, isn't it? It's always there if I need it. Well, uh, next week we'll be talking about my weird re-watching of episodes, but I won't mention that now. Uh, also, just time to uh, talk about Once and Future, our 60th anniversary Doctor Who special coming out next year. Surely people must have seen the little video trailer. Gorgeous video trailer. Yeah, absolutely Thompson, gorgeous. Animator. Yeah. Huge, you know, a huge release for us and just so exciting, isn't it? And I know from, you know, many rumblings all, you know, throughout, big finish this has been planned for a long time hasn't it three about three years yeah. yeah it's been going on and david richardson and matt fitton came up with the idea for the, the long story arc and they've been you know and it seems uh, eons ago that i approved the stories for it you know because yeah. they've been working on it beavering away getting all the people all the guest stars uh you know uh, heather said to me heather challenge said to me yesterday you know what that must have been one hell of a spreadsheet that yeah, David yeah, yeah, yeah. got to work all that out. But he's so he's such a genius, though, and he's so you know David is such a safe pair of hands, and I often use that phrase, but it's true. You can trust him to to do this stuff. He always does a good job. Yeah, it's brilliant, and uh, it is of course available at uh, to pre-order um, at BigFinish.com, and they start coming out fairly early next year, throughout the year. So enjoy Once and Future, our 60th anniversary Doctor Who special. Well, talking of enjoyment, let's see what uh, yes. people have been saying out there. It's our good review guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. I thought that was rather well done, Benji. I love a good segue. <laughs> and as promised, this week we're looking at The War Doctor Begins, Warbringer. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The War Doctor Begins, Volume 2. One, 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 one. Two. 
The universe is at war. The Time Lords against the Daleks. In the face of tyranny, one can either fight, flee, or surrender. You have another purpose, another destiny, as to all of your people. Slaves to the Daleks, no, never. I can help you fight. No, you said you'd come to save me. Yes, now sleep. You lied to me. No, I just didn't tell you the whole truth. It's a work of art! Glorious! A work of art! Fellows, don't you see? Don't any of you see? It's the end of the world! Big Finish. We love stories. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Warbring into the search page. It's probably Warbringer. Warbringer is just the last two letters. Yes, I did wonder. I thought you were being witty. Um, But no, type Warbringer. Does it it work, though? Type it in, Warbring. I'll give it a go. Um, Sounds a little bit like Warbling, doesn't it? Um, Or Mrs. Warboys. (laughs) Isn't she the next-door neighbour or something in um, One Foot in the Grave? Oh, yes, you're right. Yes, it is. This is Warbites. Uh, yes, it, Warbring does indeed bring up uh, Warbringer. There you go. Well, there we go. Magic. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so um, these are the people that have already typed that in and found out themselves. We've got here Liverpool Sound <laughs> and Vision.co.uk, Ian D. Hall. Um, Ian D. Hall. Um, Warbringer <laughs> is a three act play of consequences almost Shakespearean in its outlook and delivery. Fearsome in their devastation and understanding in its depth and a lesson for us all when we consider who has the right to be saved and how they will turn their newfound place in the universe against us. A huge chunk of realisation is to be found in Warbringer and arguably the place where the War Doctor really begins. Four stars. Or the toe stub. All the to- yeah, it could be a big toaster, but maybe stepping on Lego. You know, have you ever done that, Nick? Have you ever stepped on a piece of Lego? Oh, it's, uh, yes, a lot. Yeah. Stuff of nightmares. I mean, not recently, because my son's not into Lego anymore. He's no, 13. No, I haven't, I haven't <laughs> stepped on Lego for many years now, but uh, the, the pain never never leaves you. Well, it does leave no. you, but the, the, the thought of the pain never leaves you. I may have mentioned before that what he did do with Lego once was drop some behind our gas fire. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh no, smelly plastic. Yeah, things. yeah, we didn't find out about it until uh, until we got it replaced with the newer one. And they oh, you replaced the Lego. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need a new piece of Lego behind the gas fire immediately. <laughs> I found out British Gas, and they came with a whole selection of Lego. Well, we've got a Velociraptor here. Uh, <laughs> we we made this network.com. Ben Taylor says the second part of a quadrilogy, the War Doctor Begins, Warbringer, does a lot of work in moving forward the overarching narrative, introducing prophecies, new allies and enemies, and a dark new chapter in the Time War. It's a beautifully self-contained set, each of the three stories intersecting to become more than the sum of their parts. Very um, very Shakespearean review, you know, beautiful, going back beautiful. to the mention of Shakespeare in the previous review. Oh, for a mules of fire, the war doctor begins. <laughs> Hark! <laughs> 
Uh, setthetape.com Lee Thacker says Warbringer is an accomplished production and a strong continuation of the War Doctor's story one can only hope that after the relatively confused muddle that was Doctor Who flux well according to Lee Thacker uh, the TV series can attain the heights of which are regularly reached by Big Finish as their audio spin-off is tending to be consistently far stronger than the parent show wow okay that's that's pretty that's pretty controversial. Yeah, we're just um, reading it out, all right? Yeah, just, uh, just putting that out there. We're, we're not, we're not endorsing stars. that no, comment. Yeah, no, 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 no. I feel slightly embarrassed. Uh, on Twitterama, at TomHousen1218, uh, says the War Doctor begins Warbringer from At Big Finish by Tim Atak, Andrew Smith and Johnny Morris is a thrilling epic of an adventure which nails the serialised format. Oh! Uh, the gritty tale that gives me chills at Jonathan Carley continues to be simply magnificent in this role. Bravo. And a lovely fellow to boot, although I would never boot him. So it was. I had an evening with him the other night, actually. Well, a virtual evening on the An on evening the, on, with on, on Jonathan Carley. It's great fun. He's a, he's, a, he's a good chap full of interesting stories. Oh, um, he's just been re-watching Keenan and Cal, which is a show that I used to watch when growing up. And we're, oh. both, we're both... He's watched it all. But I'm... Also in the process of watching it and thoroughly enjoying myself. There we go. Uh, Telos 32. Telos more. Uh, Mm -hmm. The War Doctor and Commander Vecklin crash on a ravaged planet on the fringes of the Time War. Um, Maybe they should get bangs, you know, who knows. Uh, Another set of very good episodes which form a single (laughs) story. Isn't that um, bangs? That's American for fringe, isn't it? It is. You're quite correct. Why do they call it bangs? Well, why not? I'm just going to answer the door. Hold on. <laughs> Perhaps it's an American who's going to explain this for us. I'd just like to mention that I created the character Vecklin, although when I created her, she was called Coordinator Vecklin. So just a bit confused about that. I think she was a coordinator. Maybe she wasn't. Maybe I've got uncoordinated there. Just waiting for Benji to uh, return from answering the door. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at, on his screen, he has a virtual background, which is uh, the bar from Faulty Towers. <laughs> and that disguises the fact that he is, in fact, sitting in his um, sister's bedroom because uh, his room, which is at the top, uh, the, the roof is being redone, so he, he can't be in his room. Anyway, he's back now. Was it someone interesting at the door? It was the roofers wanted to, wanting to charge something, you see. You've got to be on your... You've got to be on your guard haven't you yeah i was just talking about uh, your roof being redone and how you were in your sister's bedroom yes i am yeah i I work at my parents you see um and so um because i my flat is the most echoey place in the world it's honestly it sounds like when i'm in there it it sounds like i'm in a purpose-built echo chamber so um (laughs) i work here but of course yeah the roof is being done in this house so i'm currently downstairs in my sister's bedroom because it's a bungalow you see um, and you were in the little sort of... Um, I've got a lovely little attic room there, which I'm in yeah. the process of kind of studio-fying it, um, which is quite nice because I'm, oh, you know, I don't, I'm not up there that much asleep. Only, only occasionally when I stay for longer at my parents. But when you yeah, lose, uh, when you get lost on the way home, when I get lost, or if I decide I finish work and then just think, oh, I'm just going to stay here, <laughs> fall asleep. Um, but it's, you know, it's yeah, with the roofs being done. There's all kinds of saws and hammering and dust, lots of dust. 
Well, we love a building site, don't we? As as uh, long-term listeners of the podcast will know, we used to do a lot about building sites and do the it, builders. Do yeah. Um, did you get to the end of that Telos Thirty Two review? Another. Uh, I believe I did. Ep- yes. Yes, yeah, I yeah. did. Yes. Okay. Another well, set of very good episodes, which form a single story. Yeah. 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 Well, that's it for the reviews this week. Uh, next time we'll be talking about Torchwood, the Grey Mare, not a civic mare, but a, a spooky horse. Oh, that's right. We were talking about bangs, weren't we? That's it. Yeah, but they've gone off. That's how it's just finished. Still to come on the podcast, listeners' emails. A preview of the world of Blake 7 after the war, Andromeda 1 by Trevor Baxendale. And we'll be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release with the Randomoid Selectatron. But first, let us delve behind the scenes with the Warmaster Escape from Reality, The Wrath of Medusa by Roshana Patel. Hello, my name is Scott Hancock, and I am the producer and director of The Warmaster, The Wrath of Medusa. Know that I am not your victim. You are mine. The idea for this box set came about just because I thought it'd be interesting to pit the master into various works of fiction. And so we put the feelers out to a number of writers to see what worlds they would like to enter into and uh, immediately got a a pitch from Roshana Patel where the master entered uh, Greek mythology. And, you know, who doesn't want to see the master uh, working with Perseus and Athena to... uh, thwart the Gorgons and Medusa whilst being pursued by Daleks. It was just gloriously bonkers and um, just a lovely evocative world to enter into. Now, if I fail to deliver Medusa's head, Polydectes can exile me in disgrace. My mother will have no choice but to marry him. Then we must ensure you keep your promise. Hi, I'm Greg Austin and I am playing Perseus. Hello, and I'm Derek Jacobi and I'm playing the Master. Derek's been awful. I think we've both surmounted difficulties. <laughs> well, yes, that's the thing. Nowadays, I might uh, have a fair shot at uh, getting cast as Perseus, but um, yeah, no, it's fun. He's just like the big, dumb uh, hero idiot sort of being led along by all these forces he doesn't quite understand, which feels very much like my own life. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's all good. I, I like the script. I thought it was had lovely... Subtle humour about it too, which was which was nice. Yes. Yeah, it was a fun take on those. Yeah, and it was also the the, the dialogue was was, um, was somehow more real and intimate than than some of the ones we'd done. They were really talking to each other, which was nice. You are not accompanying me. No, Asin and I have things to discuss. You'll be fine. This is your legend after all. And Greg, of course, is Perseus. You know, I've worked with Greg a lot on uh, Big Finish's class series of audios, and he's just a joy. You know, we get on really well, and uh, the moment he told me he had a home studio, I thought, I've got to get him in for something. This TARDIS is a curiosity. I would examine it further. I have always taken an interest in the work of artisans and craftsmen, yet I have never seen the like of it. Not in all the world. I'm Shukunthala Ramani, and I play Athena, a god. I'm Ella Smith, and I am playing Medusa. Well, I absolutely love it when Doctor Who 
winds and twirls its way around our history. And it doesn't get more historic than these amazing Greek stories. And Medusa is one of the ones everyone's heard of. So it's so exciting to see the twists and turns on stories we're used to. And I absolutely loved seeing Medusa through new eyes. Yes, this is epic on another plane altogether and incredibly vivid. So when Athena tells her story, you know, you really get the background as to who she is. Know that I am not your victim. You are mine. And you'll find this exciting Warmaster adventure at bigfinish.com. Just type escape from reality into the search pane at the top to find it. <laughs> That's a weird thing to type. Escape imagine, from reality. Imagine if by typing it, you actually did escape from reality. It'd be really frightening, wouldn't it? Because, what, yeah. you know, what's the opposite of, you know, outside of reality? Well, hopefully it's be- better than the one we got at the moment. <laughs> uh, that. Anyway. Through that. Time now for listeners' emails. That's right, you don't have to escape any realities to to hear an email, because in this reality, they get read out. And if you want to send them, you also can. Just send them to podcast at bigfinish.com. Or, as Nicholas Briggs said earlier, please send some stout as well. Um, My favourite doctor is Patrick Stoughton. (laughs) <laughs> um, first up, we've got um, Aidan Charlie here with the subject. Uh, the subject of this one is Scott Hancock. Um, with an mark. exclamation mark. Yes. Um, hi, Nick and Benji. Hi there. Hi there. Um, I, I used that in an episode of, of Doctor Who I'm editing this week. Did you? It, it, actually, it actually says in the script, it says a bunch of people saying various highs, hellos. I thought, I've got just the clip. So I just put it in there and just... I, I, the same clip, just... Hi there. It's in there. Brilliant. There At least drag for you folks. Hi there. Um, first off, Hi I'd there. like to send a huge congratulations to Big Finish's very own Scott Hancock oh. for his new position on Doctor Who. Yeah, it, script editor. He is someone I greatly admire and one of the many names that indicate a particularly strong Big Finish release. Yes. So I excitedly look forward to seeing what he brings to the TV show. This announcement has led me to two questions, which I pose to you now. I am wondering what the status is for many of Scott's Big Finish properties. The statement uh, released by Big Finish announcing the news reads as though he has left the company. Uh, A particular favourite range of his is the Warmaster series. Um, Will this be ending after the soon-to-be-released 8th series? Or are there plans for more? Or... Has there been no confirmation either way as of yet? Oh, well, I mean, they're not Scott's properties. They're Doctor Who properties. And he's the producer. I, I would say that the Warmaster was his suggestion, so it was his idea. So, you know, you're not entirely wrong. Um, there have been, There's been no confirmation either way. But, you know, obviously we're not going to finish it. So, you know, we love it. Uh, moving on to the second bit there it says as well as this uh, I'd like to know both of your opinions on Big Finish Canon Scott's involvement in the TV (laughs) Scott's involvement in the TV show may lead to more references to expanded universe media and a greater acceptance of it into the canon do either of you count Big Finish continuity with the TV show or is it just its own thing I saw that John Dorney recently stated that he does not regard his audio work canon 
So what are your thoughts? What are your opinions? I'm really surprised that John Dorney said that. Of course it's canon. It was acknowledged. When we launched Big Finish, the, the BBC said it's, you know, a continuation of Doctor Who and it's all part of the same thing. I mean, what happens sometimes, you know, we get our stuff approved by the BBC, but the BBC don't get their stuff approved by us. It doesn't work that <laughs> way around when you're a licensee. So sometimes, you know, like Chris Chibnall might write a story in the past he has done, uh, which uh, does contradict something we've done. But then, you know, the thing is, folks... I hate to say this, it is all made up. None of it is actually real. So if they're, if that, is that an outrageous thing to say? If no, I, I don't just think so. really, if I sport everyone's enjoyment? No, not at all. Not at all. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Good. Well, I, th- I think so. I mean, you know, it's nice to think, think keep things um, consistent. There's an elegance to that, isn't there? But, you know, it doesn't really matter. So, what were you going to say, Benjamin? Well, isn't, I think we've touched on this before, haven't we, as well? But, like, surely that canon is whatever you make it to be yourself like you know one one could regard one could love you know William Hartnell's Doctor Who so much that they they just say well you know that was Doctor Who everything after the end of that I just don't count that as because or you know when a producer leaves for example you could say well that that person's vision of Doctor Who was Doctor Who to me after that somebody else's it's not proper Doctor do you know what I mean you can you can create any rules in your own world to regard something as canon or not as canon so I, d- I think it's down to the beholder really in my opinion yeah well, what on earth is John Dorney going around saying things like that for he must be that's it he's not part of big finish canon for me <laughs> who's that man I don't know I don't know what an odd um, thing to say. Anyway, I don't. Know, I mean, the, the closest I it's would say it's a shared universe, isn't it? And we all have fun in it, you know. You know, it's it's in Night of the Doctor. There are some nods to Big Finish, original companions yeah. in there, and and I think fair game. That that for me is the kind of the cement, as it were, that you know that indicates Big Finish is canon. But I mean, canon well, I mean, I, I just it, I know? have a slightly different view. I mean. I don't know why that was such a big thing because I'd always assumed it was, you know. And people going, "Oh well, it's all real now." Yeah, I, I felt like saying yes because everything I've been doing uh, since uh, <laughs> uh, 1999 just doesn't count for anything at all, you know. Which I suppose must be some people's view. I mean, like I'd never been an avid reader of the Doctor Who uh, novels. I don't mean the novelizations. I mean, you know, the what what do you call them? I don't know. You know, like the Virgin ones yeah, and the BBC yeah. ones. I, but I don't think that that means that they don't count it's just not my thing you know i never had the time to read them really um so uh, yeah it's just but thank you aiden for writing in i'm sorry not to be more sort of um positive about the whole canon debate but i'm just it just seems irrelevant to me anyway next up Peter Kemmerer, uh, whose name I can never pronounce, says, Au revoir, Scott Hancock, exclamation mark. Dear Nick and Benji, a quick search of Scott's name on the Big Finish website returns that he has been credited with participating in 291 Big Finish productions as either a writer, actor, director, producer, or combination thereof. I love thereof. As a thereof is great, yeah. It's great, isn't it? Uh, Henceforth even, is another good one. Carry on. What's that? Henceforth, yeah, that's nice. Nice, like like that um anything else any other papers? i don't know what the te- what the technical term of that particular form of word is well it's, it's a word isn't it <laughs> it is it. Uh, it even that impressive number doesn't begin to describe the impact he's had oh 
along with James Goss, his expert handling of the material and performances in the Torchwood range have made it one of the most compelling ranges at the company. Yes, yeah, brilliant stuff. And the one that originally attracted me to Big Finish. There you go. Some other standout work includes the new adventures of Bernie Summerfield, Jago and Lightfoot, The War Master, The Confessions of Dorian Gray, Gallifrey, Iris Wildtime, and so many more. I'm sure he has been a great example and mentor to many mentor, sorry, uh, uh, to many of the new directors and writers who have worked with him at Big Finish. Uh, he has been integral to the success of the company during his time there, and as much as he's going to be missed, his transition to Bad Wolf Productions has been incredibly well earned. Here, here. Congratulations, Scott. I know I speak for many when I say I'm looking forward to your work on the TV show, and thank you for all you've done at Big Finish. Peter Kemmerer, Potsdam, PA. USA sent from my iPad. What are you doing with my iPad, Peter? Um, Thief. Thief. Yes. Well, we've got one me. more here from Declan Kennedy. Um, subject this one is Born to Expect My Reward. Um, uh, Helio there says. <laughs> I was meant to say hello, but I'll, I'll go with Helio. Helio! Uh, as a keen consumer of the late lamented Benji and Nick podcast, RIP, uh, I wanted to chime in on the official Big Finish podcast also. I feel that volunteering my unsolicited opinions would only underline my value as a dizzying whirlpool of innovative thought. <laughs> God, I'd love that on a... That's a good one for the CV, that. Um, also, I've been following with a close interest in the debate about Julian Cope, 80s music, etc. I wonder if either of you had heard Ron Grainer's own take on the Doctor Who theme. Yes, I have. And as I always think of it, it's like Doctor Who, the ITV years. Um, <laughs> that is the version uh, that he uh, would have made had Delia Derbyshire not uh, transformed it into the ethereal and timeless form which made it famous. Uh, well, if you have, wonder no more, Ron Grainer made this in the 70s. Listen to it and tell me it isn't, by eerie coincidence, very like Reward by Teardrop Explodes. You know, the funniest thing is I've... It's I all wouldn't... that... Stuff in it is very it is, like it. It is. And now that, now that you mention it... Yeah. I can totally... Yeah, I can absolutely... Because I thought... When I read that, I thought, oh, that, don't be stupid. And then I played it. I thought, oh, my goodness, you're absolutely right. <laughs> and it does have a slight suggestion it's of that it. It's that similar... Yeah, it's those, that synth. It's the synth layer in it. Yeah, how weird is that? Yes, you're right. You're quite right. You're Julia quite Cope right. Was, he was obviously inspired by Ron Grainer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something we never thought we'd say. Um, it has made me rather ponder the idea of a kind of temporal jukebox, oh. a story where some unspecified quantum effect causes everyone to act like they're in a Dennis Potter play <laughs> and suddenly break into popular songs. Uh, which songs would suit? each doctor i personally favor the first doctor's take on sir mixalot's baby got back uh but what say you i have to hear that let's have a listen so baby got baby back. got baby got back is it that one um i mean it's, if, if that doesn't scream william hartnell at you i don't know what does quite <laughs> frankly um well, uh, yeah i mean it's oof. Maybe Tom Baker should be all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. I can see him probably really enjoying singing that. I'll tell you what, I know. Sylvester McCoy, Hootsman. (laughs) Hootsman. There's a moose loose about this hoose. Or or maybe maybe that's Peter Capaldi, I don't know. 
I mean, we have great a great video of um, John Pertwee singing um, "Roll Out the Barrel," and so I can only <laughs> I can only associate that with him. I love that. That's a fantastic video, isn't it? An evening with yes. John Pertwee. Yes. Roll out the barrel. Uh, <laughs> is, is he in a German pub or something? Yeah, I think he's. I think if it's London. He's in this beer keller, which isn't too far from Elephant and Castle, which has been there for like a million years. But yes, he's and he was, he's wearing like a Kaiser's sort of helmet, isn't he? And, and shouting around. It's a fantastic video. Of course, I found it equally as amusing because later on, in when he's doing his Wurzel gummage, he has his brave head. And the bravery head is very similar to that. It's like a German helmet that he wears. Uh, And he's pictured on a white horse with a lance. And there's uh, uh, Peter Davison, obviously the theme to Button Moon, which he composed and sang. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Very musical doctor. He's very very keen on his home music setup. Always getting advice from sound engineers about microphones he could buy and things like that. Really well. Yeah, real gadget man, Peter. Tell him to get the AKGC 414 and he'll be happy. You heard, I know that Peter's an avid listener <laughs> to the Big Finish podcast. That's Peter it. Peter Davidson. What, what about <laughs> Colin? What would Colin have? Colin. Um, I feel like it would be something from a musical. Like I feel like I could just imagine, you know, Colin having a really good sing song. What about those magnificent men in their flying machine? That's not a musical, <laughs> but you know, there's a character in that who I think Colin could play really well. Uh, anyway, uh, anyone else? Oh dear. Didn't Matt Smith appear on stage with um, the people who did that uh, Doctor Who theme version? I can't remember their name now. Electronic. You know the one? Oh, I was there. Yes. Um, uh, oh, Orbital. Orbital, yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. there. I was at Glastonbury when that happened. Well, I didn't I was know there. that, Benji. Did you not know? Yeah, I was there when it happened and Matt Smith came out. And I can't remember if by this point he debuted as the doctor yet i can't actually remember if he had at this point or whether or whether he was announced or something but it was incredibly early on but yeah i remember it i was there i was there i love that version of the doctor who theme by the way it just reminds me of um the 40th anniversary like so it's so i just associate it with that because it was on all those do you remember on the dvds they had that music video that was on all of them for the 40th yes. anniversary yes it was always that uh, Didn't they use that. it on that um, wow. sort of doc- Doctor wow. Who night on BBC yes, Two? Yes, I think they did. Yeah, I, yeah. I believe. I believe with K Nine doing a great job at sort of presenting it. Who is the uh, the most musical Doctor? Is it John Pertwee, the one? Because he actually released records, didn't he? I get. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be. Yeah, because John Pertwee, he's he, yeah, he's released records. He did. He recorded the Wurzel Gummidge musical. He did a game called Deus Ex Machina with um, Ian Jury from the Blockheads. Um, did he? Yes, and he, he says in it, uh, it, there's this great recording of him saying something along the lines of like, at the final moment in time, at the final last second, the last mouse creates the last mouse droppings. It's like <laughs> utterly absurd like that. It's like the mouse releases exfinctor. And leaves the last mouse dropping. It's really bizarre. Mm. I found it on Spotify. I was like, what is this? There was that sort of sad um, uh, magician song called Pure Mystery or something. And I have the talent to amuse. Have you heard that one? He does. No. Oh, yeah. I think that's that's like the B side of uh, Who is the Doctor. 
across the void beyond, beyond the, mind. the mind. The empty, the empty space, space that circles, circles time. time. I see where others stumble blind. I am the doctor. It's yes. a great. To be fair, though, that is a great song. It is. A, it is a very good song. Well, it's interesting that because he could sing very well, but he decides to do the you know William Shatner speaky speaky song thing. Yeah. Well, he did because um, he did Lucy in the sky with diamonds. <laughs> oh God, don't. Well, he did um, in Wurzel. He did was it put a whir after W, a whir after O, and he was teaching Wurzelese. That's right. Well, a real real showman. You know, he could sing and dance, couldn't he? A proper you know, variety, wasn't he? Of course, all that. Yeah, Patrick Troughton on the on the recorder, uh, and <laughs> Sylvester on the spoons. I mean, we've nearly got a whole band. <laughs> you know, I, I reckon, do think David Tennant does singing, does he? I reckon there have been some pretty mean jam sessions going on at Peter Davison's place. I reckon so. I reckon it got. I, I wouldn't be surprised, mind you. Um, Blackpool. Do you remember yes. Blackpool that was on the telly years ago? With oh, yes. The, with the musical. David Tennant was in that, wasn't he? And it had that sort of Dennis, Pot- Dennis Potter style to it, didn't it? It did, yeah. Mm, he was singing... Yeah. Uh, I seem to recall him singing... They were miming, though, weren't they? No, there was, they, it, was, it was a really weird thing, because they weren't miming. They were singing along with the songs. Oh, that's so you, right. Yeah. So you could kind of hear them, yeah. I remember that he David Tennant did... Um, he thought he was the king of America. Um, by what's his name? Oh, it's going to bug me now. Elvis Costello. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Yeah. And okay. Smith. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I mean, as an aside, I must just mention that David. Uh, I was, you know, talking a lot to David around about that time, and he uh, he said that he said, "Do you see that long coat I wore in Blackpool?" He said, "Yeah, that's my audition for Doctor Who." <laughs> <laughs> what a ledge. I know that he loves, um, he's a big fan of the House Martins, isn't he? Is he? Um, which, are, yeah, big fan of that. He's seen them live a few times. Um, love the House Martins, so big up yeah, David yeah. Tennant. Respect. Uh, by well, the way, uh, that's it for this week for the emails. Thanks, thanks for sending them in. We're, we really always enjoy reading them out. More next time, please. Sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Keep them coming. Well, the Randomoids Electrotron is waiting in the wings to offer you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. But before that, let's go behind the scenes with this week's release from The Worlds of Blake 7, After the War. Hello, I'm Peter Angelidis, and I'm the producer and script editor of Andromeda One. The stories in this box set are inspired by the events in the second and third series that pivot around the episode Star One by Chris Boucher and its galactic war and the thwarted alien invasion. I was keen to see some innovative new unseen episodes about how, for example, rebels or the Federation or ordinary citizens um, coped with encounters with aliens from the next galaxy. And the aliens could be the body-copying aliens in Star One, or the the monstrous inarticulate creatures that I put in my audio warship, or another form that they devise themselves in their their scripts. So uh, it could be a, a single lost alien, abandoned and forgotten, desperate to get home, or it could be a, a unit of commando aliens who uh, don't know the war's over, or it, it could be a final suicide squadron, ready to wreak a kind of revenge as a Parthian shot as they left the galaxy. The context for this is that we've established 
in this uh, audio that I wrote, Warship, that the war was short and brutal and that an alliance of uh, human vessels of all kinds gathered together to help Liberator and the Federation fleet to hold off the alien invasion. I'm Trevor Baxendale and I wrote this episode, Andromeda One. Well, here I am. And let me say, you are most welcome, Space Commander Travis. Just Travis. And yet, you still wear the uniform of Space Commander. Never mind that. Can you do it? Access a brain print? Easy peasy. Have you got it? Right here, all the way from planet Goth. This story deep dives into the reasons behind Travis's defection from the Federation and the betrayal of humanity. And why and how the Andromedans are preparing to invade our galaxy. It's uncharted territory. I cover quite a lot of Travis's background and motivations in my audiobook, Outlaw. But this audio drama gets down to the crux of the matter, right before Star One. The idea for Andromeda One was for it to be a, a Travis episode starring Brian Croucher that reveals some insights into what Travis was up to away from the Federation when he was preparing to betray humanity in Star One to the alien invaders. And I thought that Trevor can link the episode, however he thought it was appropriate, to an audio novel he wrote about Travis's journey in that series, which was called Outlaw. My inspiration for the story was quite literally the gap between Travis flying off from the planet Goth in The Keeper and his appearance on Star One in the very next episode. There's a lot that must have happened between those two moments, perhaps not in terms of time, but certainly there's a significant gap in our understanding of Travis and what he was doing. I was delighted to be asked to write this story for the After the War collection, especially as it gave me a chance to go back to before the war and write for the character of Travis once again. He's one of my favourite Blake 7 characters. It's easy to see him as a straightforward black and white villain, but I prefer to lift the lid on that idea and have a good think about what he's really like, especially from his own point of view. My name is Brian Croucher and I endeavour to play a Travis. Wait. There's no point aiming that hand at me. Kiel wouldn't leave you with a functioning laser on destroyer. Are you willing to bet your life on that? We don't have time for this, Travis. I'm not moving till you tell me who you are. Landed on another planet with a, for the most part, a young lady. And we had a bit of a journey and uh, a bit of a chase. Uh, another one of those uh, exciting Blake 7 stories. And remember, you'll find this at bigfinish.com by typing after the war into the search pane at the top. Very soon now, we'll be giving you a free 15-minute drama tease of The War Master Escape from Reality. But first... It's the Randomoid Selectatron, giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Over to the Swingometer. It's Peter Davison, Janet Fielding and Sarah Sutton in Hexagora. The Lost Hexagora. Stories. What a, what a lovely word to say, Hexagora. Uh, big it's nearly finish. as good as the word hexadecimal. 
But I'll take hexagora, yeah. What does hex hexadecimal mean? It's I think it's to do with computers. Oh, hexadecimal, right, okay. yeah. But yeah, it's an interesting one. There's great uh, cast. It's got uh, a Jacqueline Pierce in it as Queen Zephira. Oh, what a legend. What and this was legend. written by Peter Ling and Hazel Adair, who um, used to write... They either wrote for or created Crossroads, the old uh, British soap. Oh, old Crossy. Brilliant. Yeah, right. Wow. It's, uh, yeah, let's find out about that on the interweb. Uh, it's got uh, it's got Sean Brosnan in. Oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so, who uh, we believe is the son of Pierce. He is we? the son of Pierce Brosnan, yeah. 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 Has this ever been... We haven't had this one on offer. Has he, has he been in something else? Let's find out. Yes, Caroline he has. Keith. Yeah. He's yeah. been in um, Doctor Who Masquerade and oh. The Angel of Skatari. Oh, oh. Um, he's, a, he's a regular. He's done three. He's, he's a regular. This is Ken Bentley, isn't it? They're all Ken Bentley things. Yeah. You might be right there. You might I wonder if I right. could see a photo of him anywhere. Just type his name in. Yeah, he I does look did, like did. his son. Um, he does look like his father. And probably looks like his son as well. If he has a son. <laughs> It's all getting very confusing now, isn't it? Toby Haydoke's in it too. Goodness me, this was recorded in 2011. Here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, The Lost Stories. Hexagora. Worried about the mob, Jezevar? Or the sleepers waking? We should all be worried about the sleepers waking. I thought we were coming to another planet. We have come to another planet. But this looks... Looks like London in Tudor times. My lord, more sleepers have woken. How many? Good gracious. The Palace of Whitehall to a tea. Who are the sleepers? Who are the sleepers? Her Majesty Queen Zephira of Lupara. Welcome to the city of Lupara, strangers. Forgive me, Consul Nissa, but when I see you, I see someone who should be the ruler of a mighty monarchy. Nothing, it seems, will bring our sleepers back. Your Majesty, I didn't say I would marry you. No, I said I would marry you. Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. I nearly said, here's the poster. <laughs> here's the postcard. The, Link, the Lincolnshire poster that I kept saying. <laughs> Hell yeah, I forgot Stephen about that. Noonan sent us a poster of Lincolnshire. <laughs> that was the Lincolnshire poster. Po- I'm saying it again. I can't say poacher. The Lincolnshire poacher, which was a tortured release we talked about last week. I can't say poacher without saying poster. What the is the matter, poster. matter of me? <laughs> anyway, um... That's all rather good. So you get a 25% discount on that, you know. It's a dream. Absolute it dream. Is, wow. it's, it's reality. Um, and while I email uh, Jackie Emery at Big Finish to make sure she knows which release to attach to the offer, Benji, please explain how you get the 25% discount in the style of the Wallmaster's pet dog, Satan. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> I think my acting only goes so far. Um, but, but woof, woof. It's actually, talking of dogs... Yes. It's my dog Rosie's birthday today. She's seven. Aww. There we go. So um, it must be a doggy day. Um, a doggy day. A woof woof. Um, all you have to do, a woof woof, is go to <laughs> bigfinish.com. A that could be just edited. A woof in. woof. Uh, that's, that's, I mean, a dog called Satan's going to be a bit sort of gruff, and he? I mean, he, take, he's, he takes no nonsense. 
Oh, woof, woof. Uh, go do <laughs> podcasts on the Big Finish page. Nick, if you please. I'm just writing to Jackie. You have to just I, uh, handle I just things. Wa- I just wanted you to say a woof, woof. A woof, woof. Thank you. Um, once you're there, just go to the blurb underneath us. It says, just click here and enter the code. Buck up. B-U-C-K-U-P. All, all capital letters, no spaces, no complications. Just enter it in. You'll get your discount. Simple as that. It's a great way to build your collection up and a great way to fill sort of two minutes of your life, really. You know, why going through that process to get it. So, you know, if you're bored for two minutes, why not grab yourself 25% off? You'd be a fool not to. You fool. (laughs) You fool, you old fool. Good, good. Well, um, cheers, Ran. Uh, Next week's podcast is entitled Unit Drax and features the eighth Doctor adventures Here Lies Drax. I mean, it's called um, Connections, I think. And Here Lies Drax is the first episode. Tis. And and who plays Drax? Alfie Moon himself, Shane Ritchie. Yeah. Um, see. Who I went through the whole thing and I didn't know that it was him playing it, but I recognised the voice all the way through who when I was editing that? it. And who is that? And at the end, I was like, Oh, it's it's Shane Ritchie, of course it is. And then all of a sudden everything just makes sense, you know. It's a really fun story actually. I liked that one a lot. Um just so, some big, big fun sort of scenes in there. So I uh, do enjoy it. Lovely. What's not to love? John Dorney script. Although, of course, it's not canon. This it's not canon, yeah, it doesn't it's written count. by John Dorney. Yeah, Anything written by John Dorney isn't canon, apparently. Anyway, uh, also featuring in the podcast is Unit Brave New World with Bambera dealing with the visitants. Spooky and weird, it says here. Sweet. I bet it is, too. Well, thanks again for all of you for listening. The Big Finish podcast is presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs. Thank he you. also wrote, produced, and edited it. That's right. There's no beginning to my talent. Uh, both Benji and I did this for the love of stories. Time now for the Warmaster Escape from Reality The Wrath of Medusa by Rachana Patel. What is happening? I should have thought that was obvious. I'm dismantling you. Exterminate! Uh, no, 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 no. I've removed your gunstick. Well, your eye stalk can be easily repurposed as a rifle scope. Initiating self-destruct! No, I utilized that hours ago. Ah! I'm through. See, the thing about riding around in a nearly invincible tank is that it makes you a treasure trove of useful spare parts. And I mean... Ugh. I always forget how impulsive you lot are. I cannot move. No, paralyzing agent administered via your empty gun port. How does it feel to be utterly defenseless. Daleks are never defenseless. Yes, well, let's see what else we can salvage from in here, shall we? Uh, What's this? This isn't part of your standard design. A homing beacon? We became aware you were scavenging from the battlefields. Now you will suffer. The Daleks are coming. No, no, no. 
vessels, all converging on my location. The trap is sprung. There is no way out. Oh, that's what you think. Uh, fortunately, Dalek battle computers are limited to mere five-dimensional thinking. So, they won't see this maneuver coming. <clears throat> Telepathic circuits engaged. What are you doing? It seems I must take a sidestep out of time and space to a place beyond the comprehension of battle computers and emotionally stunted mutants, venturing beyond the limits of your science into a realm of the imagination. am I to do? I have promised the impossible. Hear me, Athena. Hear me, Hermes. Help me in my hour of need. Are oh, the gods deaf to my pleas? Oh, just look at you. Uh, Raging at an empty sky. Normally, I'd think you were wasting your breath, but... Here, I'm not so sure. He does what all mortals do when faced by a challenge greater than themselves. He appeals to the gods for help. Uh, yes, but in my experience, such cries are rarely answered, least of all by the gods of ancient Greece. Yet, judging by your spear, helmet, and shield, forged of bronze, you are Athena, goddess of war. I am. Oh. Alice, Athena, I kneel before you. I pleaded for aid from both you and Hermes. Yes. But can this be? Hades? Me? Hades? God of the dead? King of the underworld? Yes. No. I do not know who this mortal is or where he has come from. Uh, well, that would be a long story. Suffice it to say, I'm from far beyond this world. You are no ordinary mortal. No. I've always had a rather special relationship with death. I've tried it. It didn't suit me. So, no, I am no ordinary mortal. I am the master. And I'm here to help. Is that so? And like you, I'm often inclined to help a hero on a quest. And this boy faces an impossible one, doesn't he? This is no ordinary boy. He may have been born to a mortal mother, but his father is Zeus. Yet Zeus cares nothing for my fate. I have been abandoned, forgotten. Not by me. Zeus is also my father, which makes you my brother. So do not kneel before me. Stand with me, like the Olympian you are. I shall. So, the boy is half-human on his mother's side, and you think that makes him special? Do not be absurd. It 
is his mortal nature that makes him weak. It is the reason he needs help. It is his Olympian heritage that gives him the ability to do what other mortals cannot. And Perseus has a destiny which must be fulfilled. Oh, indeed. It is Perseus who must take the head of Medusa. What is it? I'm eating. That is the voice of Perseus. What are you doing, sisters? Give me the eye so that I can see. There, there. Here, sister. That is better. Now. Out of my way. Yes. What is this? You were scrying on the beach at Seraphus. You demanded a horse to give, but you had none to give. He's with Athena. Oh. I told him the name of a gift, promising, whatever it was, I never promised to. Foolish easily Who is that with them? He's not of our world. Athena has a new ally. And if they are to hunt Medusa, they'll be coming for us first. Now, if I fail to deliver Medusa's head, Polydectes can exile me in disgrace. My mother will have no choice but to marry him. Then we must ensure you keep your promise. And you are prepared to help him in this task? Of course. It would be my honor to serve you, great Athena, and to help your hero to his destiny. Then I shall accept you into my service. Thank you, my lady. Then, if you are to help me, tell me how I may slay this monster. Many have tried. They say her island is littered with her victims, countless heroes, turned to stone. The task is not as impossible as it first seems. Unlike the other Gorgons, Medusa is mortal and can be slain. But I have no blade. And even if I did, how should I ever get close enough to strike or even find her island? Any battle can be won, no matter the odds. With the right intel and weaponry. The Grey Eye can provide the counsel you need. They are a trio of ancient witches, so old they have but one eye and one tooth, which they share between them. They are the sisters of the Gorgons, and know their hiding place and weaknesses. And why would these witches help me? Willingly? They will not. One of you must find a way to persuade them. Oh, I can be very persuasive. Even if that were enough, I still do not have a vessel to go in search of them. The sea itself stands in my way. Fortunately, my new servant has a ship. I do? Do not be coy. I saw you arrive. And if your vessel can travel from one world to another, Presumably a shorter trip is also possible. Well, uh, I'm still mastering the art of navigation in this dimension, but... Ah, uh, uh, yes, I suppose so. Then lead us to it. Of course, my lady. Is it far? No, you run ahead. Stop when you see anything unexpected. So, if 
you are successful, is there any way I may reward you for your service? Yeah, funny you should ask. I need weapons. I have enemies who may attempt to follow me here. And there is no weapon quite like the head of Medusa in this world, or any other. No, indeed. The weapons here are not limited by the laws of physics. Oh. Ah, the, the rules of my own province. They are capable of anything. The merest glimpse of Medusa's head will turn your enemy's flesh to stone. It would be useful. Then no. If you serve me well, I shall consider lending this weapon to your cause. That would be most generous, my lady. Here we are. Welcome to my TARDIS. Oh, sorry about the mess. The exterior of the vessel has changed. It no longer appears as a silver cylinder, but as a Doric column, as would be found in one of my temples. Ah, uh, yes. Simple camouflage. It sometimes takes a minute for the chameleon circuit to kick in. And, in this case, it's fallen back on an old favourite. Enabling you to move with stealth while also reducing the risk of the vessel being stolen. Yes. Although it is exceedingly difficult to operate, far beyond the understanding of most mortals. There are entire chambers hidden within a single pillar. Yeah, yes. I imagine this is quite difficult for your Bronze Age mind to comprehend. Oh, no. Not at all. It is the work of the gods. Oh, Perseus. You really are delightfully simple. This TARDIS is a world apart. The doorway serves as a bridge between one world and another. Uh, yes, <clears throat> quite. But why is it filled with such great amounts of broken bronze armour? Yeah, those are the remains of some of my enemies. I still live. These are the creatures you flee. Some form of monstrous cyclops. Exterminate them. Ignore it. I thought I disarmed it. But it seems I neglected its most dangerous weapon. Its voice. But that is easily remedied. You will all be There. Now, die quietly, will you? <clears throat> so, where was it you wanted to go, my lady? The Caves of Kisthany. That is where we will find the Grey Eye. Then we shall be on our way. Normally, I'd require space-time coordinates, but here it seems to be enough to use the telepathic circuits, visualizing the destination required, and then letting the automated circuits do the rest. Curious. I would not describe that as exceedingly difficult. What is happening, sister? The column is fading from existence. No, it is moving faster even than Hermes. Oh, I've lost it. We must warn Medusa. Quickly, shift the image to her. The, the, the eye, sister. First, you must remove the eye. Oh, of course. Here, take it. Now, let me speak with her. I see you, sister. 
Athena has a new servant, one who can transport Perseus across vast distances at impossible speeds. They will come for us, then for you. Take your hand. So, let them come. Let us see destiny holds, or if destiny breaks. Here, you'll need this. Another wonder of the gods. A light without a flame that does not flicker or waver. It's an electric torch. Really, after everything you've seen, this is what impresses you? It is wondrous. Yes, absolutely. Now, off you trot. Go and get the information we need. Uh, you are not accompanying me? No, Asin and I have things to discuss. You'll be fine. This is your legend after all. I, I do not even have a sword. You have your wits, your cunning. I've conquered planets with less. So, three blind old women shouldn't pose too much of a problem for a son of Zeus, should they? So be it. I will face them alone. <laughs> <laughs> 